Awesome. Hey, last week, if you were not here with us, I want to give you a very quick recap. Start with, if you've got your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and um, I just want to give you a little bit of backdrop here. Um, Recently here at the Vineyard, we've been working in this last season over the whole area of vision and how God is, is, is is calling us all both as individuals and as his people to fully understand why vision is important, why it's important that we have a sense of vision for our life, and also um, the place of purpose and identity and life that true kingdom vision gives to us. If you haven't been with us, or I'll just quickly recap here, we've looked at the fact that vision plays a very important part in our life. When King Solomon wrote in Proverbs 2019, 2918, without vision, people perish. Without this sense of um, God-revealed purposes, we perish. And by that word perish, um, I think Eugene Peterson, he uses uses the language, he says, um, when he reinterprets that scripture through his lens, he he says, um, basically, we can't get over ourself. In other words, we get stuck on ourself rather than on the great unfolding vision of who God is and what he has for our life. And we get so stuck on ourselves. Without vision, it becomes all about me. Forget you, it becomes all about me. But with kingdom vision that comes from the heart of the Father, our lives all of a sudden take their right and healthy and fruitful place in the great unfolding plans of God, where we do have vision and do have life. Praise God for that too. Um, we spoke about the, how the heart is a really important place. The posture of our life, our heart life before God is so important in terms of being able to receive from God his visions, his revelation, his word, his plans for our life. And, and um, uh, Luke wrote it like this in Luke 8. 15 when he recorded a parable of Jesus and Jesus was interpreting the parable of the sower he talks about how the noble and good heart hears what God is saying or can see the revelation of the revealed will of the father can hear that's a very loaded word that that word here it's not just an audible thing it's audible it's visual it's it's the whole deal um, it's a revelation it hears and it retains. It, in other words, there's a, there's a sense in which the heart of a person can, can choose at that moment of God saying, here's my great will and plan for you to live a prosperous and fruitful and truly human life under my generosity. And there's a moment where we can re- choose to retain that or say no <laughs> to that. Such is the autonomy and the power of the will that God has given us and then preserves what we've heard. So that, that what the scriptures tell us is there will be times, moments, seasons, situations, spiritual dynamics that will seek to take away from us the very wisdom, will and revelation that God has wanted to give us for our life. So we have to preserve, we have to it's, you know, find our way through all of that and then ultimately flourishes and the scripture says produces a crop a harvest a bounty a 
fruitfulness. So that's the, the posture of our heart. So we're constantly saying, God, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you have for my life. Here, give me a humble heart. Keep me, keep me postured right. Don't let me get so stuck on myself and self-centered that I, that I miss out on the generosity of this vision that you have for my life. I don't want to miss out on any of that. Help me hold on to that, even though the voices around me are saying, don't be such an idiot for thinking God could even speak to you. Help, help me to choose to ignore those voices. Help me to stay like on path with you in a time and a context which is um, you know, opposed to this. And help me hold with you in all of this because I want to flourish. And then we took a look at Hebrews 11, which is all about how Abram, and it's a great story of, of the list of all of the, the people of faith and how the scriptures take deliberate point of saying, if we're going to hear God, if we're going to follow God, this is a journey that requires faith, one that will take everything from our end, even as it is from God's end. And that nature of faith is one where we see God like Abram, we see God, we obey God, even though we can only see from a distance what God is doing. It's only like it's like at a distance coming over the horizon. We get a sense of, oh, yeah, God's got this plan for our life. And we, we get a sense of it. And out of obedience and love for God, we move towards it, even as it's still coming in upon us. And so by faith, we welcome that vision of God from a distance. We see it and we move towards it. So all of that to say, this is the background that God's been working with us over this last number of months here at the Vineyard. Because God wants His people to be full, full and overflowing with the revelation of the Lordship of the risen King Himself, Jesus Christ. That, now, when I'm talking about a full uh, measure here, I, for those of you, the women that were on women's camp, I think Nicole brought a little bit of teaching out of Scriptures where um, in terms of Jewish culture, uh, when people would come over to dinner, they, they would fill their cup full of wine to the point where the goblet would be deliberately overflowing, overflowing, because of this is the nature of God and, and that his kingdom would not be like a half cup full. It wouldn't be a half cup empty, but it would be a life that is overflowing with the generosity of God. And so the way that the people of God would demonstrate that in a very practical way is if you're coming to my house for dinner, I'm going to put as much into that cup and more than that cup can hold to demonstrate to you God is seriously given for your life, well-being, and that you might live out of the overflow of everything that God has for your life. This is the nature and the way of our God. Whose life and vision are we serving? Now, Paul in the book of Ephesians, last week I didn't have a picture up there, but I'll, I'll quickly pop one up there now for you, just to give you an idea of where we're talking. We're not talking fairy tales and Disneyland Park. We're actually talking planet Earth, um, a Middle East, and parts of Asia, all right? So you'll see down there in the bottom right-hand corner, Jerusalem, Israel, and Syria's a bit more to the north, to, today and then we got Turkey and then there's Ephesus. So this is so Paul is talking about 
his real-time engagement and missionary activities with the Christian people of Ephesus. And it's to these people that he's writing. Sometimes just looking at a map like that can help sort of like take it from being this kind of wordy conversation to real time, real planet Earth, real people. And so this is where Paul is talking, and this is where he's been, and this is who he's writing to. Now, the Ephesians, Ephesus, if you remember last week, is a, at that time was a leading city of great economic power. It was a place of great spiritual power, and it was a very important part of the Roman Empire. Now, um, the, the god, the main god or goddess that, that uh, the Ephesians worshipped before the revelation of Jesus was made known to them was Artemis. And Artemis was a female god, but basically um, everything that um, was built around the economy of Ephesus. Oh my gosh, what's going on next door? <laughs> oh, the walls of Jericho are coming down. Oh, fair income. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> um, wow, that's full on in there. Go, God. Um, everything about about the the Ephesian economy was built around Artemis and the worship of Artemis. So people would, um, you know, buy their icons and their religious relics and so on so as to appease Artemis. Now, Paul wrote this to a group of people who had met Jesus. And when Paul went and visited them, he upset the local economy. Because basically what happened was people were turning away from Artemis and they were giving their lives to Jesus. And so all the local business people, they were really cheesed off with Paul. Because all of a sudden, these people who were giving these small businesses their money for these little icons and gods, they were now running out of business. And they, these guys were instrumental in helping to put Paul away. In fact... If you read Acts 19 to 18, 19 and 20, you'll see Paul is doing extreme miracles, praying over handkerchiefs and aprons and touching sick. They were going to send to sick people and be healed. Exorcisms were taking place. People were being set free from demonic um, possession and demonization issues. Sorcerers, people who were like practicing the dark arts that even like practice them today, they were being converted to Jesus and they were coming and setting up these great big bonfires and burning all this stuff because they realized no longer were they going to give power to that and authority to that, but they were going to ascribe power and authority to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So there's this great upheaval taking place. Upheaval. Now you've got to hang on to that because this is what it looks like when the kingdom of God breaks in. There will be upheaval in the personal life of a, you know, in your own personal life, there is great upheaval. In other words, conflict takes place. Things that we once did all of a sudden don't fit anymore under the generosity and the morality and the economy of God's loving kindness. All of a sudden, our lives are changed and transformed. Ephesians, if you really take the time to read this book, this is a declaration by Paul of the great unfailing power of God in the earth now as it is in heaven. We sang that song this morning um, about God, you are God in, uh, in, in the heavens or above the earth. 
But at the same time, then we followed it with a song that said, God, you're in the earth. And, and so it's really important that you've got to hang on to that truth. God is both over the earth and God is in the earth all at the same time. Unfortunately, we've been grown, grown up and groomed in, in our beautiful Western culture and thinking and scientific ways to think that there's us here on planet earth. Then there's the, the great big gap between us and the heavens. That's not Bible thinking. That's not Bible thinking. That's Western philosophical thought. And that's what a whole bunch of our education and, and, and all of that is based on. That philosophical thought. Kingdom Bible thinking is that there is no separation between the heavens and the earth. And in fact, let's go there right now. Ephesians 1.9 9 reads this. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth under one head, even Jesus. Now, we tend to want to read that as all future, but it's not all future. It's actually future now. How does that work? Well, Jesus Christ, Lord of my Lord, maker of heaven and earth, the word of God, has broken into this present age with that kingdom to come in the here and the now. And so the re in the resurrection of Jesus, in the risenness of Jesus, he is invoking that future now. That's why when we pray for the sick and we see them healed, we see this is an inbreaking of the kingdom that's already started. The great project of God to bring heaven and earth restored all things in Jesus. It's not all when he comes again. The all when he comes again is already now in his lordship through his people. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But it's a future now reality in which Paul is, is saying, Hey guys, you've got to understand this. It's a future now reality that's all come together in the person of Jesus Christ. So when Paul writes to the Ephesians, you've got to keep all of this in mind. Riots, <laughs> sorcerers giving their lives over to Christ, um, uh, economies being turned upside down, power brokers are in the cities are all getting upset. This is what it looks like when the kingdom comes. Now just hang on to that. Because you and I are living in a time and a context where all of a sudden there's upheaval. There's upheaval going on. Take heart. This is because the kingdom of God is at hand. This has always been the message of Jesus Christ. And this will always be the message of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God is at hand. And it is breaking into the earth and it is causing great upheaval. Because people have to make a decision. Is Jesus Christ the Lord? Or is he not? If the, if the claims of these Christians and the way they live, in the, that they believe that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead, what will we make of them? What will we do with them? And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But last week we started here. This is the great mission and vision of God. He's bringing all things together in Jesus. And sometimes the bigness of all of that leaves us going, where am I in that? That's so huge, and yet I'm so small. Well, Ephesians 2.10, we, we touched on this last week, says, 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, good works, we, want to, we tend to automatically go to moral thinking. Moral thinking. And, and, and that, that's fine. That's part of it. That's Jesus thinking. Absolutely. But that word workmanship is in the, in the Greek is actually the word, well, it's where we get the, the English word poem from or artwork from. And it talks about how God has made each and every one of us to be this living piece of artwork that bears the very image of God and that you and only you can represent to the world. And so the great purpose of your life, the great purpose and plan of my life is to actually come into the freedom of realising I have been made by the grace of God and I bear the image of God and I bring that under the generosity of Jesus as a gift to the world that no one else can bring but me and me alone. No one else can bring that, that, that painting of the kingdom of God into the world like, like Wayne over here. No one can bring it like Wayne because there is only one Wayne. And there's, there, there, there's, there's only one Michelle. There's only, there's only one Bob. Only you, the greatest purpose and plan of God is that we would come into this fullness of realising, guess what? I am a piece of God's great workmanship. And the only reason we come into that is because we have a revelation of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, we've been made to do good works, reflect the kindness, the goodness, the kingdom, the generosity of God into the earth. Last week I mentioned Van Gogh when Nicole and I were in Amsterdam and we went to see the Van Gogh Museum. I needed to just correct something there that I said about Van Gogh. But Van Gogh, actually, though he died a terrible, terrible death in his late 30s, tragically tormented and, um, and um, deeply depressed, took his life. But prior to all of all of his life in the arts and becoming an artist, he actually, when he left home, he went to sell artwork in London for a job, but was deeply dissatisfied with that and then actually turned to God and went into the ministry. And he actually then went to Belgium and worked in the mines of Belgium preaching the gospel. But at somewhere in the mix of all of that, he got hit on real hard by the kingdom of darkness. Because unfortunately what happened from that place in that moment was that he ended up moving and becoming very ill, very sick, mentally tormented to the point where he took his own life. And yet somehow this guy was a piece of artwork that the enemy saw. And the enemy did everything the enemy could, as John 10.10 tells us, to rob, kill and destroy Rob, kill, and destroy. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Now, I, wanted, I didn't get on to this one last week, but Ephesians 3.10. So 1.10, the big mission and vision of God. He's bringing everything together in Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, where's our place in that? You Be who you are in Jesus as a gift to the world and make no apology for it. Because only you can bring Jesus to the world like you can. With the passions and the pursuits and the creativity and, and all of that that God's placed in you. Don't be like the person sitting next to you. And for heaven's sake, don't be like me. 
Heaven, heaven decided there's only enough room for one Kirk Delaney, all right? Same for you, all right? Just be who you are in Christ Jesus. The resurrection project of God restoring all things has begun for you right now, future now. Don't wait till then. You've got a job to do right now because God is bringing heaven and earth together in Jesus Christ. Now, Here's the next bit that we didn't get onto last week. Ephesians 3.10. It was his intent, that is God's intent, that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished past tense. God's not waiting to do this. God has done this in the person of Christ Jesus, our Lord. In other words, Paul is making a very strong statement that what God was doing in Jesus, he is now doing in the people of Jesus. And that what God did through Jesus, he is now doing through the people of Jesus. So the ministry and the word and the works of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ is the very ministry of the word and the works of the body of Christ. So what, Je- what did Jesus do? He fed the poor. He fed the hungry. He took what little he had, and God did amazingly more with that. He fed the poor. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He's preached good news, and he set the captives free. Luke 4.18. It's his mission statement. This is the ministry and life of the church. What God did in Jesus, he's now doing through the church. Who is this church? The church, the ecclesia, the the gathering together of the people of Jesus in the earth. See, God is on about something in the earth. Have you ever watched a good mystery movie? Some of you here might like to watch CSI. Uh, You know, there's a whole bunch of CSI shows on TV these days you can watch. Some people like CSIs. Uh, Some people may like... A little, little, little less intense CSI and maybe go with something like Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote, you know, or somewhere in between. Anyways, but the good, the good point is in these programs, they are a mystery. But you have to watch the whole episode to get to the end to see who done it. Who done it? What Paul is saying in this scripture, in Ephesians 3.10, it's, been, it's God's good plan through his manifold wisdom. And I'll talk about manifold wisdom in a moment. It's God's good plan that the world would know the who done it before the end of the episode. But that the he did it right here and now. You don't have to wait till the end of the end to get to who done it and what's going to happen. Because the end of the end is already happening in the here and the now as God is bringing all things together in his son, Jesus Christ, for his great glory and for your life and your joy and the well-being of all people. We don't have to wait for this episode to end. Paul here is telling the, the Ephesians that, and to us, that the intent of God... Have you ever been intentional about something? What do you do when you get intentional about something? You mobilize your thoughts, your resources, your energies, everything you have to go after this very thing. 
I try and do that most Saturday mornings at Park Run. I stand there just before the 7 a.m. start gun and I have to, in, I, I have to make a decision <laughs> because usually at the three-kilometre three mark, I'm like, I want out. I want out. But I have to make a decision at the starting line before I start. I am going to finish this five kilometres and nothing's going to stop me. Because usually at 3K, I find myself going, I want to quit, I want to quit, I'm done, I'm hurting, let's just get out, no one will know, it'll just be me, I'm on my way. (laughs) But this is what it is like. God has mobilised his love, his purposes, his plans in the sending of his son, Jesus Christ. He is with intent, with focus. He has determined that this is what is going to be and what has in fact happened in sending his son Jesus. It is his intent that now through the church, through the people of Jesus in the earth, through the people of Jesus who have discovered the love and the generosity of God, the kindness, the forgiveness, the mercy of God, through these very people, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. This, this idea of manifold is, is a great word. I, I, and I, it, actually, it, it actually has, um, it, it literally means this. When you look at a painting, well, let's go back to, uh, here we are. Let's go back to Van Gogh. When you look at the painting, what you see there is a, while there's perhaps one main colour that you would say is the colour yellow, how many different shades of yellow can you see? How many different shades of yellow can you see? Now, this is what the wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God is like. It, it literally means there is such a variety of color, a variety of the color of who our God is. God takes great delight in expressing himself with this great variety of loving, um, creative purpose and life through each of his people, through Jesus, in relationship with Jesus. That through the church, through this gathering of this great variety of colour called the people of Jesus, the wisdom of God would be made known into the earth and into the heavens. Now, there's a lot of work going on right now, and for very justifiable reasons. We live in a time where there's a great escalation of, of um, technology and, and, and war and all sorts of crazy, just demonic stuff going on in the earth. You know, terrorism and all sorts of stuff. But this stuff, you've got to understand, you've got to hold the picture. This stuff is not new under heaven. This stuff is not new. It has always been going on. We have just been the fortunate beneficiaries of living in a continent and a place that has far, been far removed from something of a, a degree to that. And so we've grown up in relative safety. But for the, a bunch of the planet, this has been going on since day dot. It's nothing new. But it's into the context of this um, where reaction and response to this is to Let's nail down, let's lock off, and let's shut down any and all um, possibility of risk of security. And I understand that. I do that. I lock my doors at night. 
I, I understand that. I've got, I've got to keep my family safe. I understand that. I take out insurance. I, I, I understand crazy stuff goes on. I, I, I understand that. But it's into this context with, with, with all of this, that un- the unfortunate fruit of it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying there's an unfortunate fruit that comes with it. So please hear me in that. The unfortunate fruit that comes with it is a world now that's really suspicious of anyone that doesn't look like you do. And yet, if you read the end of the book, the end of the Bible, the great vision and plan of God is that every tribe, every tongue, every people group, every nation group, that the people of Jesus in the earth would be this incredible signpost to the world that God is doing a work in the earth right now where people of every tribe, nation, language group, colour, they, they live together, they worship God together, they speak of a different way, they speak of a generosity of God that's not fearful of war, that's not fearful of terrorism, that's not fearful of the, the intensity of economic pressure and circumstances. We don't live under that because we've chosen to live under another lordship. This phenomena called the people of Jesus in the earth is so powerful so incredibly powerful that God would choose in his manifold wisdom to pick people like even in this room right now. We've got people from South Africa, from Malaysia, from China. We've got people from the Philippines. We've got people from uh, Scotland. (laughs) Thumbs up down the back there. Scotland. We've got people from Samoa. We have people from all of of these different... Finland, where you get the sauna from. We have people from all over this planet, this great planet of, God, of God's good doing, where he would somehow, by the generosity of his spirit and the revelation of Jesus, bring all these kind of people together as a signpost to the world. Fear not, the kingdom of God is at hand. And amongst these people, that through them in response to who God is and his great calling on their life, that they now live as if Jesus Christ is Lord and that his future kingdom is now and that that every resource under heaven and earth is available and that the kindness and, and the power and the authority of God is at hand. Paul has got great vision for this. And it's not just vision he's articulating with a sense of, oh God, I wish this would happen. He's saying, This is happening. This is unfolding. This is right now. And this is where we live. You and I are a part of an incredible work of God in the earth. Now, I I haven't touched on this. I'll go maybe talk on this one next week. But the back end of chapter 2, before you get to chapter 3, is that Paul takes great delight in making sure that everyone understands at the end of chapter 2. That God now in Jesus has removed every barrier between every race, every man, woman and child. He's removed every barrier and he has sent out the big welcome of God into the earth through Jesus. And he says, everyone, 
everyone is welcome because I'm fulfilling the promise I made to Abraham that through you, all of the world would be blessed. He's fulfilled his covenant promise through Jesus. I mean, if you, if you just ponder this for a little while with God, it gets the blood moving, gets the heart pumping. It gets us looking at our circumstances and our situations. And it says, wow, God, through the church. So anyone right now who's running around church hurt saying, I don't need the church, they're actually missing out on the great variety, colour, phenomenon of God in the earth. Tell them, get it, hook up. Tell them, hey, you need to get to church. If it's not our church, get to the one, wherever it is. Become a part of the body of Christ because God is through our life together speaking of another lordship into the earth. Heaven is already breaking in in the lordship of Jesus. And it's God's manifold variety of colourful ways and wisdom that he does that through people like you and me. This is his big vision and mission in the earth. Now, oh, let me just quickly go back to this one. I'll finish back here. The other thing is this. He says there in that verse um, that this wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, Paul here is painting a very important picture that we need to understand. For many of us, as I said earlier, we live with this very, I live here, then there's this space, and God lives up there. We live with that mindset. And Paul here, as a good Hebrew Jewish scholar, is letting us know that for the Hebrew, there is absolutely no separation between heaven and earth. God has always and it's even right through the reason why he called Abraham and he called the people of Israel to follow him is that these people would be walking around planet Earth as a demonstration to the world of what it looks like as heaven and earth kiss and meet together. And Paul, Paul is saying, hey, folks, there's no separation between what you think is spiritual and what you think is material. There is no separation. It's all one. And we tend to think like this. We tend to think like, oh, that's a sacred spiritual activity. And that's a secular activity. And so we have this justifiable thinking like, oh, I'm just going to be this, do this secular thing here. And then I'll jump over here and be this spiritual being over here. That's, you, you've, you've actually fallen foul to a lie if that's what you think you're living you're actually living in a powerless lie that Jesus broke the power of for Paul heaven and earth the meeting place of God has now happened in fulfillment in Jesus and so now through the church through the people of Jesus the way we do life the way we walk the way we choose to love forgive heal pour out resources towards each other, wash each other's feet, honour and esteem and build up the giftings of God that's on each other. The way we go doing that, we walk around and we testify to the world of that place, whenever I'm a part of those people, I don't know what it is, but it just feels like a little bit of heaven. I don't know what they've got, but I want some. We're the heaven earth people. 
That's who we are. We're the heaven earth people in Jesus. Now, as a result of that, that means all of the spiritual dynamics are at play in our choosing to love Jesus and be generous towards each other. These rulers and these authorities, what Paul is painting here is an understanding that there's going to be upheaval because at play here in the earth is all of these heavenly spiritual dynamics that are going on in the earth. And there's people who are making decisions in places of power and authority in the earth who don't even realise it, but behind them, back in the background there, there's a spiritual power base that's at work, influencing, bringing influence, bringing influence. And that's why if you read the end of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about, hey guys, put on the armour of God. He's saying, this is outright war. That's what he's saying. As God's kingdom is breaking in, this is outright war. God has made war on the works of the enemy. 1 John tells us this. Jesus Christ came to destroy the devil's work. Behind powers, behind, just behind our government leaders, there are spiritual dynamics that are at play. As much as our leaders want to think that, well, I can't speak for them, but sometimes they behave like that, that, that they have a knowledge base that somehow I can keep my spiritual life over there and my political life over here. Hogwash! Absolute hogwash. You can't do that. That's a double-minded person right there. That's hogwash. And Paul is telling us that the biblical worldview is that whatever daily decisions we're making, with our resources, time, energy and effort and relationships towards others, whatever we're doing, it is deeply impacting of both heaven and earth. And whatever we do in the name of Jesus is going to make known to those power structures that are at work in the heavens, into the earth. It's going to make known to them that Jesus is Lord and they are not. This is what Paul's getting at. And right now, I'll, I'll talk, and I'm, I'm going to work in towards this in the next couple of weeks, but Ephesians 4, uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 5, Paul gives us a very high vision of why marriage is very important. And I'll touch on that over coming weeks. But right now, we need to set the understanding of why that high vision of marriage is very important for Paul and why the scriptures have recorded that. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities. That while, you know, everything in our systems and politics, and I'm not looking to my earthly government to be the kingdom of God. I'm I'm not looking to the Australian government to be the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ not any political power. But behind those political powers, when we say yes to Jesus, they get upset. And that's why Paul talks very deliberately at the end of Ephesians about how this will impact our life. Can I say this? Whenever we get an understanding of, oh, I understand what's happened in terms of I don't have to wait till the end of the episode 
to engage in what's actually happened. The mystery of God has been revealed to Jesus. I clearly remember the impact of that on my life. Of being When I first got taken up into the Lordship of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, as I started to share that with some people, some people wanted to completely disown me. Why? Well, well I, I think it's because I was saying, Jesus is now my Lord. You're not, I'm not, but Jesus is. And the, the, the power structures behind my friends wanted nothing to do with me. And so I said to things to my friends like, don't have anything to do with that guy. He's a nut job. He's an absolute wacko. Stay clear of that guy. Have nothing to do with him. I lost a lot of relationships because I said, I don't want to be Lord anymore. I actually want Jesus to be Lord. I want to be a part of the great vision of God in the earth where everyone would come to know Jesus as Lord. I also found a group of people who said, I'm not alone. I'm like you. I too have found that by being in relationship with Jesus, my life is changing and I've given him lordship and I'm no longer the person I once was. You see, Jesus changes us. We have all these reactions and responses and impacts to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms that are in the background stirring and, and, and working to hold back this ever-advancing kingdom of God as it's breaking into the earth both now and into the days to come. Some people become your good, became my good friends in my community in which I've lived. I've had political leaders stand with us in our um, in our mercy ministries, in when we've worked, as we've worked with young people, I've had local and state um, political leaders stand with us and say, "We don't know how you guys do this, but we know, and we we know it's good. Please keep doing it." That's about their best way of putting framework and language to their understanding that things aren't good, but somehow you guys are doing something that's making a difference. Keep going. That through the church, our leaders would see. We've seen the way our children have changed because of Jesus. We've seen the way marriages have changed because of Jesus. We've seen families restored because of Jesus. We've seen people's physical bodies healed because of Jesus. Um, we, we, we have people come into this place all the time and say, we don't, we're not sure why we're here, but we just want what you've got. And that's about the best that they can articulate it. Because God is revealing his mystery and through Jesus, through the church. Now, Paul says that being these big heaven and earth people that are in, on assignment and mission with Jesus, one is that we're a signpost to the world and the other is that we are a rebuke to the powers and the authorities. We live as a rebuke. Now, that doesn't sit nicely, does it, when we just want to be nice people? <laughs> but the mere fact, the mere fact that in so many nations, the people of Jesus are a persecuted people across the earth and they are driven underground 
by political powers and the, and the spiritual authorities behind them is because they are trying to hide, suppress, and Paul himself, as he writes this letter, is in prison. They're trying to shut down, stop, suppress, drive underground the reality that Jesus is actually the Lord. And that's why they're driving this to try and go underground. That's why they're trying to suppress the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's why there's all these politics, powers, and, and, and people with influence saying, shut up, stop talking about Jesus. Don't let him be spoken about in the, in the playground. It's because of the mere fact that because when he is spoken about, when people do come into an encounter with Jesus Christ, when people are offered the opportunity of coming into the kindness and the forgiveness of a life, changed by the goodness of God in Jesus. It's because of all of that. They know it's real and they realise they're not Lord, but they don't want to give up their Lordship. But I have. And so have you as the people of Jesus. You've given up your Lordship and you've given it to Jesus. That's why people right now will be saying, shh, don't speak. Don't say anything. Be quiet. It's because they know they're not Lord and that Jesus actually is. We live in a really amazing time. We are both a signpost to the world that says, guys, there's another way to live. There's another way to live and it's beyond the grave as well, both now and beyond the grave. It's a, it's a way of life that's full of grace. It's a way of life that, my goodness, I get loved on by people from all over the world, from all different tribes and tongues and nations, and they affirm who I am and the great colour and the variety of God that flows through my life because of Jesus. I get affirmed. I get given a place. I live with hope and purpose. This, I, I, I constantly am being changed and transformed. I'm being moulded and shaped. I now know now no longer have to live with a cup half full, but my cup overflows. I live with joy all because of Jesus. I'm a signpost to the world that Jesus is Lord. And so are we, because it's the manifold wisdom of God that now what God was doing in Jesus, he's doing through the church. We're a signpost to the world and the world is looking for direction, is it not? You guys are walking, living, breathing, flesh and blood, spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-inspired, graced, loved on, forgiven, amazing, amazing, one-off workmanship pieces of God that are a signpost to the world. You and you alone. Please be the signpost that we are in Jesus. Doesn't mean we have to go off being religious, crazy or whatever. Just be you. Just be you. Be honest to goodness, you. Living in the grace of God. Just be you. Wow. I thank God I'm not a signpost like Dave Hockey. Because man, that guy is a signpost. He is an amazing signpost. I can only be me. Gee, I take great admiration in the variety and the manifold wisdom of God as it flows through this guy over here with the long beard. I, I, I take incredible delight in looking at his life and the way that he chooses to live it as a signpost to the world that Jesus is Lord and he's having his way.
now and into the age to come. And at the same time, we, the other thing is, we are a rebuke to the powers and the authorities that we, in fact, live free of their worldviews. We live freely. We live generously. We live with a sense of hope and healing for all people and that we live as people who have come into and are coming alive in our new created, resurrected identity as sons and daughters of the living God in relationship with Jesus. And we choose to live by love and hope and generosity and the kingdom of God and not be bound by fear of, of man or, or any other ideology. We live because Jesus is Lord. Now more than ever. It's an amazing invitation by God in this season that we would be the church. We have something to say, and the thing we have to say at this hour is, friends, world, if anyone would even dare to ask, no one's asking the church. Everyone, everyone in, right out there now that has any sort of influence, they're not asking the church. They're yelling at the church to shut up. But if anyone would ask, if anyone would ask the church, the people of Jesus, yeah, we, we do have something to say. We actually have something that's good news. And it's a gospel of hope. And it's found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came, lived, died, resurrected, ascended, and rules and reigns even right now. And there's people all over the world who are turning to him, even even right this moment. And there's people in this room that are turning to him right now. We have something to say. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And we have something to live. Our words end our works. We have something to live. And the thing we live is the good news of the gospel of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Died, lived, died and resurrected and ascended and reigning forevermore. We have something to say and we have something to live. Jesus is Lord. And we have something to partner with or someone to partner with in building his kingdom now and into the future. Something to say, something to live that reveals the big mission and vision of God that is for our world, that is for the individual that is for every tribe, nation, and tongue, that is for relationship that's revealed in Jesus, that is for marriage as a reflection of God's good plan for humanity to flourish, that is for the refugee, that is for the lost, that is for the broken, that is for the hopeless, that is for the hungry. We have good news. God is bringing all things together in heaven and on earth together in the Lordship of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let me finish with this. Ephesians 3, 14. If there's something right now you're thinking, gosh, how do I connect into this great work of God as a signpost and as a rebuke to the world? How do I, how do I connect into this? Well, look at what Paul does in, in, in uh, Ephesians 3, 14. Well, let me just read. Uh, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Verse 10. His intent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Right now, know who your God is. Approach him 
freely and with confidence. He welcomes you in Jesus. Um, And I ask you, therefore, Paul says this to the church. He says, don't be discouraged because I'm in prison. Don't be discouraged by that, that I'm I'm suffering. It's for your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. You want to know what a good position for the church is right now? On our knees. We so undervalue the power of prayer. The great apostle himself, as one of his first acts of Holy Spirit anointed leadership, is to get on his knees. And for this, all of everything that I've just read out, because of that, I kneel before my Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I want to encourage you this week. If you're feeling a little washed, beaten around and everything by media and rulers and authorities and spiritual dynamics and friends that don't understand you, can I invite you this week to take the posture of a kingdom servant leader for your context and get on your knees before the Father and, and pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Father in heaven, your kingdom come into this earth just like it is in heaven. Let it come, God. Let it come. Friends, I'm going to finish up there this morning. But the fact that we are the church of Jesus, we are both a signpost and a rebuke. But God's on mission, church. God is building his heaven and earth project right now. And he is showing the world the preview of the fullness of his love and his work and his manifold wisdom. Who'd have thought he'd pull together a group of people just like us to reveal the great heart, love, purposes and plans of God in the earth, even as it is in the heavens. Hold it all together, folks. This is a really important time. Hold it all together in Jesus. Hold it all together. Don't let the enemy try and pull it all apart. He's bringing all things together. Heaven and earth, men and women, nations, tribes and tongues. He's bringing it all together under his good lordship. Under his good lordship. And there will be, and I'll talk about it in the next few weeks, of, about marriage and then also spiritual warfare that comes with all of that as well. That, that's, this is a great... If there's, one, if there's one word I could use to describe Paul's book, to the, his, his letter to the Ephesians, it's power. It is power. He is making a declaration of the power of God in the person of of his son, Jesus Christ, died and resurrected. New Earth Project has already commenced. Future now, the power of God. Who wants in? You want in? Well, if you want in, why don't you get on your knees with me? Let's get on our knees. Why don't we just get on our knees for a bit? Find a bit of space and let's get on our knees. Don't feel like you have to do this. I'm only saying if you want to do this, just check in with Jesus. 
For this very reason, God, it was your intent that through the church, that your manifold wisdom, the testimony of the Lordship and the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be made known to the rulers and the authorities. And in this season and in this hour, here we are, Heavenly Father. It looks like a position of defeat, really, doesn't it? To be on our knees with our heads bowed. To the world, it looks like a defeated, broken posture. But to us, God, it's a high place of humility where we're saying, Oh God, oh God, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come into the earth, into our country, into our nation. Father, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come through us, Lord. This week, I pray, Holy Spirit, you just inspire us with relationships, opportunities, conversations and moments where we might say the good news. Jesus is my Lord in the midst of all of this craziness and I'm still trying to figure it all out, but this much I know, Jesus is my Lord. This much I know, Jesus is my Lord in the way I choose to spend my resources, the way I choose to speak about my neighbour or even pray for him. Jesus is my Lord. We have a, a word to say. We have a life to live. Oh God, by the power of your spirit, fill us now to live that life. For the great, great glory of your saving purposes into this earth, both now and forevermore, I pray it, Father. We get our name from you, Lord. You're building a big family in the earth. Open the eyes of our heart to see this, I pray. In this time, in this season, in this nation, in this heart. And as a local church, Lord, I pray, we pray, we pray, God, more. Bring more of your kingdom. Bring more hungry people bring more lost people, bring more broken people, bring more people that your kingdom, your good news, Jesus, might touch them through the way that we choose to love them and love each other. Oh, do immeasurably more than we could imagine. Immeasurably more. Here we are, God. Fill your church, Lord. Fill your church, Lord. Fill your church. Come, Holy Spirit, and we do pray for those in our nation, Lord, even as the Scriptures tell us, those that lead us and have places of influence and authority in the land. We pray for them this day. Local government, state government, federal government, all sorts of postures and companies and that have great influence over economies and who says who gets what. And where and how. Oh God, please bring your kingdom to them. Wake them, we pray, in the watches of the night. Visit them, we pray, with a revelation of your love of Jesus. Father, I think of Isaiah as he laid before you in your presence and you called him and you touched him and he said, Lord, oh, I'll go. I'll go. Lord, you're calling some of us to go to people and places 
as your voice, as your way of life, that the good, good news, that the kingdom has come to bring life for them, Lord. Lord, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. Use us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. Holy Spirit, just now release a vision of what that means for every head that's bowed. Just show them, Lord. Just show them.